This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. You're invited to join Lifeway Women Insiders, an online community of women like you who want to grow in their relationship with God and connect with each other in meaningful ways. When you sign up, you'll get first looks at upcoming Lifeway Women Bible studies and events, the opportunity to contribute your voice to future Lifeway Women content through polls and surveys, and exclusive insiders-only discounts. Meet your soon-to-be friends at LifewayWomenInsiders.com. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us today for the Mark Podcast. We wanted to pop in before the episode began to let you know that this episode and interview discusses domestic abuse. If that is something that you're sensitive toward, or if you have little ears in the car with you, you might want to skip the first 10 minutes of the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyman and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. You know what? Like Summer is here. I mean, th- when this comes out, it's May 30th, but while yeah. we're recording, it's feeling like summer too. So welcome to summer, all of our listener friends. I know. It's exciting. And we're so yeah. excited to have our guest on today because I don't know about you, Kelly, but I have listen to Nicole C. Mullins music yes. for a long time and I'm yes. so excited to get to talk with her today so hello yes. Nicole hello hello Elizabeth and Kelly it's so good to be uh, on with you <laughs> yeah I, in fact I mean Elizabeth it was all I could do today I was like okay so I, do I do I tell people that I'm actually going to be interviewing Nicole C. Mullins like <laughs> you know, that, that's so fun so fun so it Nicole is. you've been in the music industry for a long time but you know some of our people in our audience might not know a lot about you so why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of background about you tell us what's happening in your life right now and so we just we want to get to know you a little bit. All righty, I'll try and put it in a nutshell for you. Um, And because I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, I can speak kind of rapidly. So if I'm (laughs) going too fast, feel free to say, Nicole, just slow it down a little bit. Oh, they can slow it down in the podcast (laughs) app. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was born and raised in Cincinnati. Um, You know, I love to say my grandparents on both sides of the family were Pentecostal pastors. My parents were deacons in the church. So, you know, I, I say we were in church like eight, nine, ten days a week. It felt like all the time. And so uh, at around the age of eight, I gave my heart to Christ. I remember kind of making a bet with God. You know, I remember the pastor giving the altar call two Friday nights in a row. And I remember my palms were sweaty and my heart was beating fast. And I knew God was speaking to me even at the age of eight. But honestly, I wasn't really ready to answer the call yet. And I told God, I said, God, now, I don't know if you know, but in our church, the age of accountability is not eight, it's 12. So technically, (laughs) I still have four more years to sin. And so I was, you know, ready to just, you know, be my own self. And 
on that second Friday night on the way home from church, my dad promised me, you know, y'all might know the difference, you know, not a spanking, but a whooping. And in our, in our culture, there's a difference because a whooping has a song and a dance attached to it. It had that, you know, okay. didn't I tell you not to syncopate a song. And, and I didn't want one. So that night I said, okay, I'm going to get it real spiritual. And I said, Lord, if you get me out of this whooping, this spanking, I'm going to give you my heart tonight. And so that night at around the age of eight, he gave my dad temporary amnesia. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> my dad forgot, but I had remembered. And y'all, I love saying this because, you know, since God always keeps his promises, I knew I had to keep mine. And so that night I made the greatest exchange ever, ever, ever. And somehow or another at the age of eight, I thought that, you know, God was getting the better end of the deal. But how wrong was I? You know, I got the better end of the deal. It's like I gave him my sin that night and he gave me his right standing. Like I gave him, you know, my little past and he gave me a great future. Like I gave him my nothingness and he gave me everything. And so that night we began our journey. I, I bowed my heart and my knee at the, the side of my bed. There were no grown-ups around, no sisters around. It was just me and the God of the universe. And by the time I got up off my knees, I knew that he had hurt me and he had changed me. And so I typed it out on our old typewriter that we had, you know. Y'all might not remember, but we had those old typewriters. Oh, yeah. and, and I typed it out, as of this day, I'll never be the same. Jesus Christ has come into my life. Oh. And, and what you have to know is that, you know, on the outside, I looked the same. I was still the same, you know, not so cute little girl, one ponytail going up, one ponytail going to the side. <laughs> I was still the shy one. I was still the fast talker, the stutterer, the thumb sucker, the bedwetter. I was still that same kid on the outside, but on the inside, I was brand new. And I had this, this new life on the inside of me. And I remember just, you know, we would ride the city bus to school in the mornings and taking that that feeling with me in the morning as I would stand by the lamppost waiting for the bus to come. And I would stand and not talk to God because I had a new relationship and I knew he heard me. And I would sing to him all the Amy Grant songs I could think of. I would sing to him all the Andre Kraut songs I could think of, all the ones I'd heard on the radio, the, you know, the Imperials. I'd sing all of those songs to him. Um, and so I, I remember just standing there and, and knowing that he was hearing me and knowing that he was going to be with me, even as I entered onto a bus where the girls were going to make fun of my sisters and I. And I remember having this uh, peace on the inside of me, knowing that they can make me cry by taunting me and my sisters. But I have a secret, and that's that the God of the universe, he's able to still do Cinderella stories with girls like he did with the Bible. And I heard these stories from my parents. I'd heard these stories in church about how he had taken the orphan girl named Esther and made her into a queen and how he had taken a smelly shepherd boy named David and made him into a king. And I thought, if the God that I serve, that I've been told about, the one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he could do those things back then, then he can still do something special with a not-so-cute, stuttering, shy, thumb-sucking, bed-wetting little girl like me. And so that was the hope that I held on to, even in the midst of things. You know, my, my home life was great, but the bus situation was a little mm -hmm. taunting. And so um, looking back, it's like God is still the same God, and he's even bigger in my imagination than I could ever fathom. But I, I ask myself, and I hear him asking me sometimes, are you that same little girl who would sing to me? Are you the same little girl who vowed that if nobody else will go, I'll go? If nobody else will do it, I'll do it for you, Lord. If nobody else will talk to you, I'll talk to you. You know, and so that's for me, even now at my age and my stage, to reconcile myself back with 
the the little girl who um, was ever uh, waiting to hear from him, who was ready to sing to him, who was very aware that he was always with me. And so, um, you know, anyway, so from that, and I know I've, I've spent a little bit of time there, but, you know, after that life progressed, my, um, my home life at home was great, parents steady, grandparents steady, you know, married for forever and a day. Um, my parents got us up at 5 a.m. to pray in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, had Thursday night, uh, family nights. We would go play tennis. You know, that was before Venus and Serena. We were the first <laughs> black ones on the court. I just have to say that, okay? But anyway. I love it. <laughs> but, but, I mean, they were, they were good people. And honestly, you know, life felt a little boring at, at times because we had no drama then. You know, mm-hmm. my drama came later on in life. But in the midst of goodness, sometimes you can get spoiled by goodness. And, and yeah. at the time, you don't really realize the value of it until something is missing, something is gone. And so um, life progressed. I remember there were some just standout moments for me. Another standout moment before life hit was at the age of 12. And there's a lady in our church named Sister Dottie. And Sister Dottie was not very well educated according to man, but she was one of these people that was super wise. And if she said that God said something, if she said, thus said the Lord, I'm telling you, you could take it to the bank. And so at the age of 12, Sister Dottie said to me, so the Lord would say, say not in your heart that you are small, but you are great because I live within you. And then she began to declare that God said he was going to take me around the world singing for him and that he was going to give me songs in the night. And at the time, of course, I didn't understand the songs in the night part. I thought it was like songs after like 10 or 11 o'clock. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's cool. But um, it wasn't until later that I understood that it was not just songs in the PM of the day, but songs in the PM of life. And, um, And I've seen that the songs that God has given me have come to me in the midst of hard seasons, in the midst of dark seasons, in the midst of, you know, um, the waiting. And, yeah. um, and so, and God has taken me around the world singing for him. And she prophesied that during a time that it looked in the natural like an impossibility. And so anyway, time progressed. I went to Bible school at the age of 17. Uh, I, you know, got out after a couple of years and life was good. And then at around the age of 20, I, I was living in Texas and I met a guy and I thought he was just the black apostle Paul because he said, bless God after everything, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, he's so spiritual. Yeah. And um, and before I knew it, we said I do. And for the next three years, uh, we were in a situation of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have the heart at the time to tell my parents because I was ashamed because I had been warned. But I thought you know, I I can hear from God myself. And uh, I was being too spiritual to be, to invite the practical. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I I eventually had to humble myself and go to my parents and share what was going on and tell them that, you know, he would punch me in the face and he would hold me by the neck and he would drag me out of the bed by my heels and kick me in the ribs. And he would tell me that I had no purpose in life. And he would go through the knife drawer and he would click the knives calling my name. And so I had to confess these things. And they took me back under their um, covering. They loved me. They didn't shame me. Um, but during that time, my heart was, uh, you know, I loved God. And I, I was thanking God that he had spared my life. And I was still singing at little events here and there. Um, but I had kind of made this vow this uh, silent vow that God, I trust you in everything else, but when it 
comes to relationships, basically, I'm going to have to keep this part to myself. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. do it my way this time. Because I kind of felt like, erroneously, that God had owed me something. You know, I was a good girl. I had kept myself. I had gone to, you know, uh, Christian schools. I had gone to Bible school. I had done catechism. I had, you know, done the things that I thought I was supposed to do. And I thought that that would be my ticket to a, a life of ease. You know, I'd forgotten the scripture that said that it rains on the just and the unjust. I'd forgotten the part that, you know, he said, in this life you would have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I had forgotten the fact that even in Psalm 23, when, you know, um, David is saying he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Right after that, it says, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And sometimes that follows that it's a part of that right path. And so anyway, anyway, so I had this chip and I was like, well, the next time I'm going to kind of do it my way. And so I proceeded to do that and um, just began to compromise in areas that I know the Lord was not pleased at the time. And before I knew it, I was pregnant before I said I do. And um, we accelerated the wedding date and we got married and um, uh, gave birth to a, a beautiful daughter. And I remember just having to fall upon the mercy of the court and begging God for forgiveness. And my daughter came early and I thought that, you know, maybe God was gonna take her because, you know, she had tubes from head to toe. Mm -hmm. And I remember just having that thought and hearing God say just quietly in my heart that, you know, regardless of what happened to my daughter, my daughter's life was not required for my sin. His son paid for my sin, not my daughter pays for my sin. And so um, I went and I did what my mom told me to do. She said, you go and whisper into your daughter's ear in the incubator and you tell her what David said to himself in the scriptures. And I did it and I bent down and I said, Jasmine, this is your mother. I said, you will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. And I said, Jasmine, do you hear your mother? You will not die. You will live and declare the works of the Lord. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, long story short on that front, she is 28 years old, she is alive, she declares the works of the Lord, and she's a lead singer of a band, and she's traveling the world herself, so. um, Oh, wow. Anyway, that's a a lot in a, 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 yeah, but, um, yeah, so that's a part of my story. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty there. And I know a lot of women will really resonate with different parts of your story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, One of those, perhaps one of those songs in the night that you talked about is Redeemer. Um, I don't know if that's a song in the night for you, but it is a song (laughs) that has been around for 20 years and it has changed a lot of people's lives. Like I know as I, I believe that you came and sang at Lifeway one time and everybody's just like, when is she going to sing Redeemer? When is she going to sing Redeemer? Because that has been played such a pivotal, like a pivotal role in many of our, our walks um, with Christ. And so tell us about that song and how that has changed your life and how does it continue to impact um, your life and your career? Absolutely. Um, Redeemer was definitely one of my songs in the night for that next stretch of after I said I do, it was a, a period of 21 years of betrayal from mm-hmm. year one through year 21. And in the crushing, God began to give me songs. Um, one of the songs he gave was, you know, On My Knees. And yes. um, then another song that was given was, um, they, I remember going to the record company and they, they, I was just a songwriter at the time and they wanted to sign me as an artist. And they said, well, do you have anything like, you know, On My Knees? And I thought, I said, well, I can't rewrite what's already been written, 
But I do have another song that God gave me. And it was a song that I had, you know, one day I was sitting and I was reading the book of Job. And I love, you know, just the scripture. And um, in the midst of this, I saw that here's a man who went from riches to rags and then back from rags to riches. And he lost everything. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his shame is where he began to make a declaration of, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I do know that my Redeemer lives. And in the last day, he's going to stand upon the earth. And I thought, if Job can hope against hope in the midst of his situation, then how much more could I? And so I remember taking out my little guitar, and I began to just form a, a chorus and, you know, and some, with some chords. And I began to just sing, you know, I know my Redeemer lives. I just began to sing that. And then before I knew it, I had read the end of the book. Uh, in, uh, I think it was starting with chapter, I think, 38 of Job. And God comes on the scene and he's challenging Job. He's saying, I heard what you and your friends pretty much said about me, but I'm going to ask you some questions. And God starts just asking questions that not only could Job not uh, answer, but he couldn't even understand the answers to some of them. And I remember just out of that awe and that wonder and that wowness, just before I knew it, the first verse just spilled out. Like, who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? Mm-hmm. And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? And I began to sing, and it became my comfort song in the night season. I was still in my night season. And it became my hope against hope. And I remember just, you know, I was uh, writing this song initially for um, a Point of Grace album. But I had missed the deadline because it took me a year to finish. And um, by the end of it was when the record company had asked me. And I said, well, I have this other song. And I sang them Redeemer. And I was playing my guitar, which I still don't play very well yet. But eventually I will. But um, And they said, you know, that's it. And um, it was, I, I didn't expect it, honestly, to do what that's done. You know, I've sang it all over the world. I'm still singing it. And God is still using it. He's still anointing it. But at the time that I wrote it, again, it was just a song that I thought would be just my comfort song. And maybe it would bless a couple of people. So the fact that it is done exceedingly abundantly above really all I could ever ask, think, or imagine is really a mark of God. It's not a mark of Nicole C. Mullins' writing skill. It's a mark of the Lord himself. And so I'm, I'm grateful to still be singing it. Um, you know, now actually I wrote it, we started writing it back in 97, finished it in 98, recorded it in 99. It came out in 2000. So it's really been 25 years since I started the wow. beginning of My Redeemer Lives. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think about just the lyrics. I mean, I, first of all, I'm really, I, as much as I love Point of Grace, I'm really glad that you kept the song. I'm really glad that it's your song. And, you know, um, I, I, it's interesting to hear people talk about when the Lord gives them songs uh, and how, like, they don't they don't know where the Lord is going to take that song, but He just, you said it, that it's, it's really a song that I feel like is anointed. And I have watched people worship to that. Mm-hmm. I have watched people stand up and clap to that, you know, just... And just praise to the Lord. And so um, we're grateful. We're grateful for the obedience of you just listening to the Lord in your heart and as he brought you those words. Um, so thank you for, for oh, yeah. being obedient in that. We're really grateful for that. And oh, your book is also kind of named after the song, correct? 
Yes, it is. My Redeemer lives. Yeah. It's personal, a story of hope for our time. Yes, yeah. it is. And, and, and really, it's, it's following, it's the story pretty much behind the writing of the song, but it also includes um, Job's story a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And just, it's, an, it's a, a, a story of encouragement. It's not just a book of woes of like, okay, woe is me, and these are just the dramas and the traumas I've had. But in the midst of the drama and trauma, there's hope. Christ shows up. And if he can show up in the midst of mine, he will definitely show up in the midst of yours. Yeah. And so that's more of the flag that is waved throughout it. And it's, he's given me many a songs in the night season. And mm-hmm. when you say the word anointed, you know, I remember one of my um, close girlfriends now, she told me back in the day, she's a sister girl of mine, that, you know, she said, I feel like the Lord is really going to take you through, you know, a crushing like the olive, like the olive has to be crushed in order for the oil to come out. I think God's going to take you through that. And when she said it, I said, no, I've already gone through that. Like, you don't understand. (laughs) And she said, she says, sis, I really feel like it's like there's more. And I was like, like, Lord, I'm good. And um, honestly, the year after was probably one of my greatest years of crushing. And, And I will say, though, that the glory is not in the fact that, oh, the devil has done this and I've suffered these, this pain. It's what God can use from the pain. It's unless we are crushed, unless we go low, unless we are broken, the oil can never come out. And mm-hmm. to be anointed is to have that oil. And so what you hear is not just uh, prayerfully, it's never just pretty words, but it is the, the cost of um, worship. It is a sacrifice that we are to bring to the Lord, our sacrifice of praise that says, even if I don't get it, I'm going to declare, I know you are alive and well, the one who's going to buy back my pain, my shame, and my heartache. Even if I don't see it, I'm declaring it. Um, even if I'm in it right now, I am waving the flag saying he's already done it. Either way, I'm going to give you praise. And so um, Redeemer, I, I believe it's still here and it's still um, affecting people's lives not because it's so well written again, but I believe because it's the word and the Mm -hmm. word has no expiration date. The power of the Holy Spirit will continue to do his work regardless of age, stage and generation. And so um, it's me jumping on his bandwagon, quoting what he's already said. And and with that, I know he's going to back it instead of me saying, God, hey, here's a pretty song. Can you anoint it? It's it's jumping on what he's already anointed. And so um, anyway, that was... A part of that. And again, you know, the book, it it shares those different stories. And I've heard so many people who've read it, you know, they either come in my line at uh, concerts or speaking engagements and they're crying saying, you know, I, I thought I was going to just read a chapter, but I binge read the whole thing, you know, <laughs> in, in one night. And yeah. it's an easy read. It really is an easy read, but they've gained encouragement from it. And so when I hear those stories, again, I say to God be the glory. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, Nicole, one of the things that you talk a lot about is sisterhood. Um, So we would love to talk to you about sisterhood. What does that word mean, sisterhood, to you? And then how can we all, like, as believers, live as a part of this, like, royal sisterhood that we all share? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my great sisters. You know, like, I have... You know, two biological sisters, one sister who was adopted into the Coleman family when she was uh, two years old. And then I have a host of other sister girls Mm -hmm. who are my sisters, not by, 
just the blood of man, but by the blood of Christ. And right. uh, and and we're like, we we fight you over that title. Like, no, this is my <laughs> sister. Okay, we may not look a thing alike. Okay, but those are my sisters, and so um, they are. It's everything. And I think for me, yes, we become sisters when we give our hearts and our lives to Christ. We are part of the same body. Um, the father of Jesus is the father of us. Therefore, we are family. However, when it comes to relational sisterhood, I believe that comes when we decide to go past just being mere friends and we say, I'm going to take off the mask. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to let you in. Like, I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to ask you some. We're going to eat together. We're going to do life together. And I think that's what God wants from us as sisters in Christ to really become sisters and not just, oh, you know, um, not just a title of their sister so-and-so, their sister so-and-so. Really, like, we're, we're beyond friends. You know, my sister girls, when I say that, I'm, they're, they're my sister girls, you know. Um, and and I, we've talked about things. We've cried together. We laugh together. We eat together. We do life together. We debate issues. Mm-hmm. And we don't always agree but we live agreeably, you know, um, we, uh, we're able to bounce things off of each other. We do our best to see things from, um, each other's point of view. And when we can't, we, we validate and say, you know what, I can't say that your story wasn't your story, you know, and just because I haven't walked in your shoes, I can't deny you, you know, the shoes that you've, you've been wearing. And so, um, for me, it's been healing. It's been redemptive. God has used my sister girls in uh, in so many ways and in such great ways that because of them, I've seen the love of Christ in more tangible ways. So mm-hmm. um, sisters, you can't put a price tag on it. And I would pray for every woman who's listening that God would allow them to have such sisters in their lives, not just mere friends, not mere acquaintances, not just neighbors, but people that they can really say, you know what, we may not look a thing alike, but this is my sister. Absolutely. I love that. You know, yeah, when we think about eternity and we think about who we're going to be spending eternity with, like who are the, who are the women in our life that are challenging us and calling Mm -hmm. us to accountability and, um, and just encouraging us, you know, on a daily basis too. And just you know, telling us to look more like Christ. I think that's such a great, absolutely. Um, great, great thoughts. Um, absolutely. I know, Nicole, like you've said some things that happened, you know, early in your life and some decisions, nah, things that happened. So let's, let's think for a minute, like what advice would you give to your younger self? Wow. Um, I would tell my younger self, especially like my 20 to 26 year old self, because that's when I think I made my greatest errors was around that age. Um, I would tell her that wisdom is not just spiritual knowledge. It's also practical application. It's um, it's allowing Christ to dictate even the mundane, even things that we feel like we are too old to adhere to, such as the wisdom of our parents, you know, and I know this is not an age or a stage where we feel like we have to ask permission, but we do seek blessings from them. And I had wished that I was a little more respectful 
of the value of their blessings in some of my decisions during that time frame. And I, it would have cost me, I mean, it would have saved me a great deal of heartache. Um, I would have also just encouraged her to let her know that God is the Redeemer. He is able to take your pain and your shame and work it together for your good, as he's promised. Mm-hmm. And um, But it isn't better to prevent than to have to cure. Um, and, uh, and then I would, I would encourage her and let her know sooner that um, the word of God is sure. When God makes us promises, and I'm not talking about there are certain conditional promises that God will give us. If you do this, I'll do that. That's different. But there are some promises that he gives us that has nothing to do with our ifs, that he makes a declaration over our lives. So when it comes to those, um, don't fear negating his promises because of your ignorance, mistakes, sometimes even willful disobedience. If you repent and get yourself back online, you'll see quicker, I think more quickly, um, the words that God has promised over you come about. And so you can rest in that because I remember feeling disqualified at times. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in that, uh, beating myself up, instead of using it as a moment or a time of humility, I used it as self-humiliation. And there's a difference. But allow those times to um, allow you to go low, you know, uh, in being humble but not in a sense of, I doubt what God is saying because my sin is greater than his grace. That can never be. Yeah, that's so helpful and encouraging and challenging too, I think for all of us. Um, but especially, I remember having some of those same thoughts when I was in my 20s, just you know, the thinking that God's promises were conditional upon my, yeah. my works. So yeah. um, I appreciate you sharing that. So yeah. This is the Marked Podcast. So a question that we ask every week of our guests is, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Wow. Um, You know, I'd say grace. I'd say I've been marked by God's grace and his favor. Um, It's not something that I've deserved. It's what he has given um, when I did not because I don't. Um, and it has marked my life. And, it, and because of it, it makes me want to um, live in such a way that I am walking worthy of the call upon my life. Not that I can earn the call, but I'm walking worthy because I, I acknowledge that he has marked me with his grace. You know, it makes me think of, um, I've been reading lately in the scriptures just about uh, Mary of Bethany who was the woman who poured out the oil at Jesus's feet. And I've been doing a, a, just an exhaustive study on the different um, Gospels where the story is told in all four of the Gospels. And in one of the Gospels, it talks about how, you know, Jesus is talking to Simon the leper whose house they're, they're at. And he's mentioning the fact that, you know, to whom much was forgiven, they love much. But if you were forgiven little, you love little. And so he was making this comparison with the the host. And I thought, I was thinking to myself, I said, isn't that just like us? I don't think it really is, in my opinion, that the the other guy was really forgiven for little because sin is sin. And I know we want to do varying degrees, but I think it's his perspective of his sin. He, he, He didn't think his sin was great. He only thought his sin was little that was forgiven. Therefore, he could only love Christ little. In comparison with Mary, 
of Bethany who poured out the oil, her perfume, she saw her sin as great. Therefore, she came and she loved him in a great way. And I say that because although I grew up in the church, although I grew up with grandparents and parents who are ministers and love Jesus, and they taught me to quote scripture from the time I was five, and I could quote you, you know, chapters, you know, that that was what I was given. Still, when I was confronted with my sin, I had to eventually acknowledge that my sin was great. In order for me to love Christ in a great way, I had to acknowledge that he has given me great grace. But if I think of it as I've, I've been a good kid and, you know, he only forgave me of a little because that's all he had to forgive me of because I was basically almost godly myself, which would have been a huge lie. Right. Until I really acknowledge that my sin, any sin, is gross and it's detestable and it put Christ on a cross. It cost him his life until I can really see it in that light then I really can't fully accept the measure of grace that is actually given to me. I can't appreciate it until I can actually see it as such. And so um, for me, again, I think I would, I would have to say grace because I see that he has given me so much. He has, he has gone up and beyond what I could have ever dreamt. He has done more for me already. If I went to heaven right now, I could say, you know, to God be the glory. He has done so much. Like he has shown out in my life. I'm now experiencing love redemption. You know, I, I've, you know, the, the night season I, that I wrote most of my songs in, that it didn't last after a while. It was wrought with a lot of betrayals, you know, and I had to learn to forgive over and over and over and over again. And, you know, it didn't work out, but God's grace kept me. And his grace was greater than anything I'd ever gone through. And um, so, uh, and he has redeemed me in every area. And so um, I know that's a long answer again to a short question, but again, my answer would have to be, I'm marked by grace. Yeah. Well, I, I think we all need to be reminded of yes. the, the cost of grace and that it's offered to all of us. And in fact, yeah. I really think we should, you know, even finish this podcast by, you know, Elizabeth, I don't know that we've ever done this, but there might be a listener out there or someone who finds this podcast who you need to experience God's grace. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have never even made the step of just following Christ in your life. And so um, I would just encourage you to contact us at Lifeway, you know, and through Lifeway Women and we would love to talk to you. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to just share with you how you can experience God's grace. And yeah. so, Nicole, thank you for for sharing that with us. I appreciate that so much. Yes. And thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. Well, this has been such a, a really refreshing interview and just mm-hmm. an interview where I feel like you've just been so vulnerable with us and, and sharing your story and telling us how God has just used not only what he's used in 20, you know, some years ago, but how he continues to just show himself to you. And so we're really thankful for your ministry and we really do pray that God would continue to bless you. So thanks again so much for being here. Thank you, Kelly and Elizabeth. Thank you again for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, listeners, thanks again for being here. And Elizabeth and I hope that you'll join us again next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram 
at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.